Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This mini series is sponsored by Sure Advanced Protection. When life's busy and you're spinning so many plates, sweat in and out the gym becomes a normal part of everyday life. Whether it's muggy weather, chasing after the kids, nerves before a meeting or running a 5k. With double the sweat protection versus UK's leading antiperspirant, Shaw's advanced protection range gives you the confidence to take on life no matter what it throws at you. Helping you to take worrying about smelling bad or sweat patches off your plate so you can concentrate on the others. Hi all, welcome back to Welfare with me, Amy Lane. When it comes to running, there are certain hurdles you need to get over before you even make it out the door. Perhaps your hurdle is dealing with feelings of self-consciousness about running in public, or it could be asking for help when buying your first pair of trainers. More experienced runners might be daunted by marathon day or the sight of a new training plan that includes all kinds of terminology you've never seen before. According to Shaw, 66% of Brits wish they had more confidence, and perhaps that's because UK adults find themselves sweating with nerves or excitement, by the way, your brain processes these feelings in the same way, around four times a week. While most of us run for physical and mental health, there is also a lot to be said about the boost in self-confidence that fitness can provide. And while this isn't something that you can measure on your running watch, once you start to run regularly and maybe even finish a virtual race or a training plan, it's likely that you'll start to notice and appreciate the progress that you've made. And give it some time and these positive emotional boons could spill over into other areas of your life. No, it's a little bit nauseating, but honestly, they can. Perhaps it would put a spring in your step for a better day or give you the motivation to step out of your comfort zone at work. But I'm also a realist and I do get it. Starting is tough, especially when 42% of those surveyed by Shaw in their confidence report admitted that they're worried about embarrassing themselves and 39% of the group said that they feel pressured by the thought of making mistakes. It's why I've teamed up with Shaw and their new female advanced protection range for this episode for an exclusive chat with their confidence ambassador, Fran Kirby. By the way, did you know that 43% of Brits feel that wearing a good antiperspirant makes them feel twice as confident in tough situations? I didn't. And Shaw's advanced protection has a new formulation, giving you double the protection than that provided by the UK's other leading brands. As a professional footballer, Fran has played in front of millions of spectators. In 2015, she travelled to the World Cup as the second youngest member of the Lioness squad, a major high. And she's played a huge role in Chelsea's successes since joining in 2015. But she's also not immune to setbacks or the curveballs that life can throw at you. Like many runners who are forced to the sofa through injury, this year Fran was sidelined from playing and training as a debilitating medical condition took hold of her body. For much of the season, she slept for 15 hours a day 
and was unable to even get up to make food. Thankfully, today she's on the road to recovery and is getting her career back on track as she takes on training again. If you're currently feeling a bit meh by your training or locked in a cycle of negative self-talk, then stick with today's show. I'm going to talk to Fran about her experience of digging deep when the going got tough, how she avoided direct comparison with others when she was on enforced rest, and what she does to feel confident both in and out of her trainers. It's time to plug yourself into the show and put yourself on a path to personal glory, whatever that might be. Fran, welcome to Welfar. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited. Oh, not as excited as I am. We're talking at lunchtime today. What have you done in your day so far? I'm so intrigued about what a professional footballer does when they're not on the pitch. Yeah, well, I mean, kind of we're in pre-season still. We start our season on the weekend, so still trying to go through the motions with training. So we've had a day off today, so that's really nice. We had a tough session yesterday, but I still went out and did a little bit of training, did a little run. So even on our days off, we tend to keep going in terms of trying to build our fitness and I really enjoy running I think it makes me more relaxed for the rest of the day it makes me feel better it makes me feel more energized if because I had a lay-in this morning I woke up feeling groggy and didn't really have much motivation so I know I just have to get out and do some exercise and then I go out do exercise I come home and then I start cleaning the house so (laughs) so that's kind of what happens on my days off (laughs) you've just mentioned the term little run I'm always interested by what a little something is to a professional sports person well I class little runs as kind of quite far but low intensity so Mm. this morning I did a 10k but like I, I I go off basically how I feel so sometimes I do a 5k 6k 10k but it's more to do with how fast I push myself. I'm not trying to hit PBs or anything like that. It's just kind of getting out and flushing the legs off after having a hard session. And like I said, I really enjoy running. I never kind of get tired of running. So yeah, I just kind of go through the motions, listen to my music, switch off a bit, enjoy it, and then get home and and start cleaning, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) Are you somebody who's able to manage intensity by knowing how that feels as opposed to looking at a watch or do you go out running with a watch and track your heart rate? No, I go out with a watch all the time, uh, mainly Mm. just to keep a look on my heart rate zones. And for me, it's more of a case of seeing that I'm not pushing myself too hard rather than the other way around. Because obviously we train a lot anyway um, at football. So I don't want to start going, you know, into my zone five red zone on a day off. Like that's just craziness. So it's more just managing where my heart is at and, making sure that I'm not pushing myself too hard. But then at the same time, when I am trying to push, I check the watch to see what heart rate zones I'm going into. So it all depends on what kind of session I'm going for. But majority of the time at the moment, it's more to flush the legs out because obviously I get my high intensity training at football. So, yeah. Fran, what you've just alluded to there was knowing when to push yourself and when to pull back. And that's something obviously that you've had to do many times over the past four years with injury and illness. What I'd really love to know is what's kept you going through those hard times? Because I think hard times is something which everyday runners experience too. So what what has kept you going? I think it's been just finding myself 
again, finding my personality, finding what makes me tick off the pitch. Obviously, I haven't been able to influence much on the pitch in terms of training, in terms of going. And for me, it has been frustrating. I'm quite a go person. I have a lot of energy. I don't like to sit still for longer than kind of five, 10 minutes. I like to be doing something. So I think that was quite tough at the beginning and finding something I tried all sorts of different things to try and keep myself going. I was getting puzzles at Christmas, you know, like the jigsaw ones. I was, I bought a piano to do a keyboard to see if I could learn to do that. And that lasted about a week and I gave up. But I, it's more I turned a lot to reading. So reading different books about mindset and different types of personalities. And I found it really interesting because I think you learn a lot about not just yourself, but people around you. And I've been reading a lot about kind of ch- champions mindset. So I've tried to implement them things off the pitch because obviously I can't do it on the pitch but I've taken it now into when I can go into training and I just feel much more organized like little things where they said get your training kit ready the night before so you know you get up and you just the training kit's ready to go so it's not a case of oh I've got to get it out like everything like that it's just it's there it's ready to go so just little things like that I think I've really implemented into my routine and continue to do that now. Those books I've always found that when I've read any kind of mindset book that it's always not obvious kind of tips and tricks, but they're always very simple. And then suddenly you're like, oh, I don't need to be doing all these major things all the time if I just make small regular tweaks. For me, it was like adding a pause into um, situations. So rather than just reacting the whole time, giving myself a bit of time to breathe so I could respond and not fly off the handle. And it's just made such a difference. Yeah, I think a lot of us don't realise the impact of just standing still for a moment. You know, I've kind of realised that in the last, more than the last few months, obviously, because I've been quite poorly at how beneficial it was actually just for me to take a break. And just, obviously, it wasn't my choice. I didn't have the choice to take a break. But I think now, if I'm looking back now and looking kind of at the positives of what happened, it's more that I was able to just take a break, find myself again relax enjoy it not let any stress kind of get on top of me and sometimes you need that you need that rest you need to just mentally refresh because for me I've been going now probably the last 10 years non-stop with maybe a, a two-week holiday every year you know it's, it's quite intense so I, I see it as a blessing in disguise as bad as that sounds because obviously it's I missed out on opportunities to play but for me I realise now that I needed it and that was really important and just to find myself and enjoy training again. For me now, I love to train because it was taken away from me. I couldn't do it. So it was just a case of refreshing and just being able to enjoy, okay, I'm going to training tomorrow. Oh, buzzing about that. Or, oh, I had my day off, but I feel like I can train, so I'm going to go for a run. Whereas maybe eight months ago, that wouldn't have even been a question. I would have been like, no, I'm too tired. I can't do it. I'm mentally burnt out. I'm physically burnt out. I'm fatigued. So yeah, I'm trying to to find the positives, even though I missed out on a lot of football. Are you like the rest of us that you, when you feel something in your body, you maybe put it to one side and you push past it for a few days until it really, really rears its ugly head and it goes, no, you must stop. Is that how it happened with your illness or... Yeah, I think so. I think, obviously, like I said, it's been kind of nonstop for me for the last 10 years of just kind of constantly pushing and going. And, you know, that's that's the life of a professional sports person. And we wouldn't change it. Of course, we wouldn't. We, we love what we do. We love our sport. But at the same time, I've learned a lot in the last few years of when 
to take that break. Like I said earlier, just to take the moment just to go, okay, you're tired today. You're feeling a little bit on your hamstring or your knees a little bit sore that you need to stop. But obviously in the case of my illness, I probably should have taken a bit more time off. I had flu beginning of November time and I just kind of kept going through the flu. I think I had maybe four days off just to kind of recover and then went back to training as normal when I wasn't 100%. But, you know, like I, like when I tell the story, I'm like, I, you wouldn't miss work because you had a little tickly cough, mm. you know, and that's kind of what I had. I had an ongoing cough for about two weeks and I just kind of kept going, kept pushing, kept going. And also I was just coming back from injury. So I was trying to push myself to show that I was ready to go. So I was probably pushing a bit harder than normally. So, yeah, I think it's it's hard to know when to stop and when to to slow down but I think I'm learning a lot about that throughout my career in terms of injury in terms of this illness but it's just allowed me to understand my body more and knowing when like I said I love to train but I know when I need a day off or when I when I might need two days off or when I need extra treatment when I need something else rather than going for a run maybe I just do a bike or you know so I've, I've become a lot more educated in terms of that and in that moment of when you were told no you must rest you need to recover what was that like was it that you got angry was it that you got sad how did you process it the first time when I kind of got told what was wrong with me I listened a lot I was very open to the situation I think more out of being scared Um, because I've never experienced what I experienced, you know, that night with the, I had really extremely sharp chest pains and I've never experienced that before. And I think I was quite scared. They sat me down and just said, like, if you don't rest now, this can become chronic and you won't be able to play again. And hearing that was a bit like, okay, I need to listen to what they're saying now. I need to take this seriously. This isn't just a little, you know, hamstring strain it's it's a serious thing it's to do with your heart and you need to pay attention but then I think I got frustrated and upset more towards two weeks in because I kind of got told that it can be it can range between two weeks to six months which obviously doesn't give you uh yeah it doesn't give you very much kind of satisfaction in knowing when you're going to be back playing so I had my heart set on two weeks you'll be fine you'll be fine, you'll be ready to go again, which obviously wasn't the case. And I think then when I met them again and they said, you have to rest again for four weeks, I think that's when the sadness started to creep in and that's when I was probably getting a bit down about it because I was like, oh, my God, how long is this going to last? Is it going to last six months, which it did in the end? But, you know, I think that was the hardest moment when I heard that it was going to be another four weeks. And then I think after that I just accepted it because I think – after the first two weeks, I got really, really poorly. So I think I was just so drained physically and mentally that I actually didn't have any emotion. I couldn't I couldn't get any emotion out. I couldn't show any emotion. Like people were just looking at me like I was just a zombie. You know, I couldn't show anything. I w- couldn't even have a conversation with you. I couldn't even, I would have maybe a two minute conversation with you you'd carry on talking and my mind would go elsewhere and I wouldn't even be able to look at you like that is how it was I just shut down completely so I think it was hard then because I I didn't really know how I was feeling and then obviously as I started to feel better I was a lot more positive and a lot more kind of happiness about it but still frustrated because I, I couldn't just go straight back into training 
I had to do it slowly. I had to go on. A, I went on a, on the bike for the first time, and literally, I was riding probably like I had just had about five knee surgeries. Like I was riding extremely slowly, and my heart rate went up to like I think it was one four five, and that was just a slow bike ride. So I knew kind of that it was going to be a long journey. But yeah, I think each time I, I got more and more positive. But at the beginning, I didn't have much emotion at all because I, I couldn't. I, I really couldn't. And was it only during that recovery stage that you started to feel more confident again in yourself and your body? Was it the case of that actually you needed to do these tiny bits of fitness to build back up that confidence? Yeah, definitely. I was extremely nervous going back into training because I didn't know how my body would react. I didn't know if the illness had completely gone or if it was just being masked at the fact that I had spent so much time resting. I didn't have much confidence in myself because I hadn't played football for four to five, six months. So going back into training, I didn't know what state my body would be in. Like It took me a good two weeks to just find my coordination again, just to be able to feel like I can kick a ball properly. And as a footballer, that's quite frustrating because you're going back into a sport and you can't even kick a ball properly, but you've been doing it your whole life. And it just shows that actually not doing something for so long can have a massive, massive effect on anything. It's probably the same in any sport, even running. You know, you don't do running for six months. Then first few runs are very difficult and it's hard to get going. So, yeah, I think my confidence was low. I was nervous. I was scared. Anytime I had kind of a feeling in my chest, I would panic and call the doctor and be like, is this okay? Like, I've just felt this. Is it fine? Like, it was, it was, I was chaos, you know, just them first few weeks. But after that, when I kind of got through the, I would say kind of into my third, fourth week of training and I had no symptoms, then my confidence started to grow. Then I was back on my feet. Then I was ready to go. And then I was ready to kind of go, okay, I, I feel good now. Let's let's keep pushing. Let's keep working. So it, it took me quite a while. I would say over a space of two months, it took me to kind of build my confidence back up and not kind of have that anxieties when I'm going into training or, you know, not checking my watch every two minutes into the training session thinking oh my god I've gone up to this heart rate is that okay or is that too high or is whatever what's going on so yeah I would say it took a couple months just to kind of find my feet and and get that confidence back definitely and did you find a lot of people talk about the benefits of stats in their fitness whether they're at elite level or their everyday level of just checking in on them to see where they're at and then using that to kind of almost give them like a bit of a confidence boost and know that everything's okay did you do that in during your recovery and do you do that in your training I definitely did it during kind of the lockdown period uh, when I was training by myself Um, I was looking a lot at my times when I was running and looking how many times I was in a certain heart zone heart rate zone or you know I was definitely pushing myself and trying I think that was when I was trying to hit kind of the pbs to see how my fitness was growing and and each week I would step it up, I would add an extra kind of sprint on the end, or I would add, add like some hill runs, or, you know, there was things that I was doing each week to try and build my confidence. So I knew I wasn't just staying at one level. I was always trying to push myself to do something else to see if my body could handle it and see how my times would react. But I wouldn't say I do it so much now, because it's more about what happens on the field. Of course, you know, I like to see my running stats in training to see like kind of Am I running faster than anyone else? Am I pushing myself more than people? What is my kind of distance I cover? Because obviously we wear the GPS, so everything is is tracked and what you do, like your top speed, how far a distance you run, how quick you run in these, uh, how many meters do you run at a certain time? 
so yeah I'm always kind of checking them and you know we get sent them kind of every day to check after training to see where you are so I think more in terms of that you look because you know you want to be the one covering the most distance in training you like for me anyway personally like I, I love looking at the stats and seeing oh I ran high speeds more than anyone else in the game today you know that gives me the confidence to know that my fitness levels are high I'm able to kind of push a lot I can keep maintaining it for 90 minutes in a game but everyone's different you know some people focus more on like of course like we focus on the outcome of the ball where does the ball go you know if I'm doing 11k in a game but I haven't touched the ball then what's the point but you know I like to look at both because I I feel like I'm influential in a game in both you know I, I like to think that I'm working hard off the ball and I'm doing things on the ball so yeah I think I wouldn't say individually I track but I did when obviously we weren't training as a team I'm really interested, actually, because you've just mentioned the whole team dynamic. And I don't want to dwell too much on the lows because I am going to come on to the highs because there are so many of them with you. But when you were going through this tough time of either injury or illness, how did you stop comparing yourself to all of your teammates who I'm sure you've got on WhatsApp? I'm sure you follow on Instagram or maybe even some kind of fitness app. How did you ensure that you didn't put yourself against them when you were obviously in a very different situation because you weren't as fit as them at the time? Because I think that self-comparison of fitness is something which touches so many women. Yeah, I think for me personally, I accepted very quickly that I was going to be far behind. I accepted that. I relished it in a way. I was, I remember, especially with the, with the illness, obviously injuries are different because obviously you can still kind of be around the team. You can still see people. So I think that's hard when you're, you're physically there and you can see kind of everyone going out to training. You're still in the gym doing you know upper body circuits because you can't move like you can't move your leg or that that's tough because you're in that environment but for me I knew I had to take myself away and just kind of get on with it by myself and really focus on myself than worrying about other things I was I was stressed don't get me wrong I was I was stressed during that time because obviously you want to be playing and the team was doing well and I wanted to be part of a winning team and then obviously we had the Olympics that was meant to happen this summer so, you know, that was an added stress. I was like, oh my God, there's only three months until the Olympics. I'm still not back on the pitch. I'm still not doing anything. So I think that was an added stress as well. But for me, I really focused just on myself. And I knew that if I was the best version of me and the best version of myself in terms of football, in terms of fitness, then I was only going to be better for the team. And I think I had to, I had to be a little bit selfish in terms of that, because I knew that my case was different to everyone else. And so same with everyone. Everyone is different. And I I don't like the comparison of, you know, tracking everyone else's fitness because everyone's different. Everyone's body types is different. Some people have been training since they were 10 years old. Some people have started training when they're 20. And, you know, I think as long as you are happy of where you are at and you are doing everything that you can to be better, then I think that's more important than anything. And that's what I've learned a lot is be the best version of you and everything else will fall into place. As someone that spends 90% of my time in workout gear, it's fair to say over the years, I've used my fair share of deodorant. So here's a shout out to this season's sponsors, Sure Advanced Protection. There's five variants in the range and unsurprisingly, I'm really loving the workout one. It has added fragrance, so even when you are putting in the effort, you stay smelling fresh. It's one of five variants, 
Workout, pure fresh, light and fresh, invisible and ultimate fresh. So you can pick up your favourite from the shelves of any major retailer. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. That's a nice segue into my question, actually, about the World Cup, because obviously you went out there as the second youngest member of the Lioness squad. You were so young in comparison to, you know, and to the others, but you stepped out onto the pitch and you were so confident and you played excellently. So how how did you have that confidence on that day? How did you ensure that you were, you felt ready to make that, to make that match the best one um I don't remember being that confident if I'm honest I think I was a a little bit nervous but yeah I think for me I was just in a bit of the unknown I didn't really know much about who we were playing against obviously we'd done the analysis and but kind of I was playing in the second tier of women's football. So obviously I knew the girls that I was playing with, but I wasn't really aware of players in the international scene. Mm. So I wasn't really aware of anyone who I was playing against. And I think that worked in my favour because I didn't know the big names. I didn't know who I was supposed to be afraid of. I didn't know who was apparently the best player in the world. I think that was where my confidence was, is that I wasn't aware of anything around me I just went out there and wanted to play and wanted to enjoy it so I think that's more what it was as I was playing with enjoyment and freedom rather than thinking about the pressure of oh my god I'm playing against this player I'm playing against that player I just went out and felt just play like Frank Kirby can but I think that's probably the it reason why I so yeah it's a bit like I mean I've obviously never been on a world stage playing football and thank goodness because the only time I've tried to play football I've broken my big toe so I mean (laughs) yeah women's world cup we all got together me and a load of other kind of like editors all had this kind of friendly match I went out and I kicked somebody in the shins fell over the ball and now have a broken big toe still like about a year later so football's not my thing (laughs) not my thing what I was gonna say was it's that ability to zone out isn't it of what's going on because it's like when you're at a party or an event and you you're just chatting to people and then you finish a conversation you go back to maybe the people that you were with and they go oh did you know that was so and so and you find out they were a major deal but you've actually just been having a random conversation maybe about the buffet or what they're drinking and you're just yourself yeah and I think that's when you become more natural you know I think that's also when people are most confident because 
you're going, like I said, into a bit of the unknown where, okay, you might be speaking to the head person of the company and you're going over there talking like they're your best friend. And that's normally when you, you're more relaxed, you're more, you don't have any stress because you're not going over and getting, oh my God, that's the top person. That's the top person. Oh my God. Oh my God. And then that's when you kind of crumble. That's when the anxiety happens. And that's when you say something that you shouldn't probably say. And it's the same on the pitch, you know, when you're coming up against a player who people are saying are the best in the world and you're thinking, oh my God, I've got to dribble past this player and they're considered one of the best in the world. Then, you know, you're not going to express yourself. You're going to probably turn around and pass the ball back because you don't want to put yourself in that position. But for me, I went out there, didn't really know who I was playing against. I was like, who's that? I don't, I don't really know. Like, and I didn't have any fear when I went in there. So... So great. And in everyday life, do you use any kind of um, apps or visualizations or any techniques to keep this kind of confidence and self-assuredness going? For instance, at times I've been big into headspace. I have to say I've let it slip a little bit at the moment, but I do call on that in times when I'm feeling a bit of a wobble. I wouldn't say I specifically use many apps. Like I said, I've started to read a lot more so I think that's kind of where I I go to obviously I like to listen to music so I try and listen to kind of as much relaxation music as I can but yeah I would say more more for me I don't like actually spending much time on my phone I like to switch off from it I like to be away from it because I feel for me while I was poorly I, I went off all social media just to kind of take a break from everything I took a break from social media I took a break from all the commercial side just to focus on myself so I had to find something else to do in that time so obviously I turned to a lot of books so yeah I would say that's kind of been my go-to just to relax I find a lot of the time when I read it de-stresses me it makes me feel relaxed and most of the time after I read I have a nap because I'm just so kind of like relaxed I'm in that state of just pure relaxation um so yeah I mean I'd, I'd probably say that has been my biggest my biggest thing are you very good then at having apps on your phone and not going into them or do you have to physically delete them like I for some reason I think it's maybe my job and years of using social media for a career but I will pick my phone up and I will find that I haven't even consciously done it but my fingers have gone into Instagram and I've consumed four stories and already thinking about something else which I'm gonna post and then I'm like whoa 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 didn't even know this was happening so for me to be able to take a social media break it's all got to be deleted yeah, I deleted it all off my phone. I'm the same. It's, it's it's very unconscious of us how we do it. I think we don't really think that we're doing it, but we do it. Like I'm now back on social media and I'm back to the same as I was before going on it a bit like you, but I found actually going away from it was really, really refreshing. And I actually like, as depressing as it was at the time, I was reading the news. I was actually mm. reading news. Uh, I wasn't just reading it on social media that someone's decided to put up a fake story I just found it so refreshing and I really enjoyed it actually I really enjoyed just taking that break because like I said I then had time to do other things I wasn't sitting on the sofa on my phone building up the screen time you know looking at all the apps checking everything you know seeing all my friends going on holiday or they've gone out for food and I'm laying on the sofa because I can't do anything you know so there were so many positives that I found going off it but yeah I'm, I'm the same now I'm back on it and yeah it's it's definitely an obsession, I think. I think everyone now, if they were to ask what's your obsession, I think they would say social media. 
And so let's just move on to confidence in your training and fitness. Obviously, we touched on earlier on about the fact that you do running in your general training. And you've mentioned that you obviously train a lot. What does your normal training week look like? And do you have a plan which you tick off to know that you've done enough? Or is that kind of left to coaches? I do a lot of planning as an individual. Like I said earlier, I'm very organized. So I have my kind of weekly schedule on the fridge. So I kind of tick off through each day what I've done or what I want to do. So I plan my gym sessions on the Sunday to go all the way through to next Sunday. And then I plan kind of when I can fit in extra sessions here and there. Do I need to fit in an an extra session after training or before training or anything like that? So I'm very organized in that sense. I like to know what I'm doing on specific days. I don't like turning up and not knowing what I'm doing. Like it stresses me out because then I'm asking loads of questions or I'm not being efficient in my in my work. I like to get in the gym, put the music on and just smash the gym. I don't want to be asking, oh, so how many reps of this am I doing? Or what's what what's my next kind of lift or anything? I like to be in, get my work done and get out. So I'm quite kind of like structured in that. But in terms of football, we have an app that all of our training gets put on the night before. So we know what we're doing. So that kind of helps as well. Because like I said, I like to know what I'm doing. So I'm yeah. studying that the night before. So it's really structured in time, terms of that. Our normal kind of day, week would, we probably get one day off a week, which is normally a Tuesday because then it's two days after a game. So we'll be in Monday, in Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then have Tuesdays off. And I like to kind of get at least three to four gym sessions in a week, some high intensity, some kind of low intensity, more high at the beginning of the week and then lower towards the end. So then you're kind of feeling a bit more fresher for games on the Sunday or the Saturday. And then, yeah, like I said, I like to incorporate my own training because I've kind of had the motto this year is if you want to be like everyone, then you will always do the same as everyone. So, you know, for me, I always like to think, okay, well, that person's resting at home. What can I do now to go on top, like to be better than them, to, to go over them and be on top? So that's kind of been my attitude this year. So I've probably been doing a lot more kind of extras than other people but yeah I mean that's just that's just how I am and that's just my my way of training and like I said everyone is different some people don't need to do extra like for me I'm not genetically fit I have to work really hard to kind of get to the same level as everyone else I know that and I know that my body isn't the same as someone can just be on the pitch after two months out and have the same fitness levels if I tried to do that I would be crawling at the back of the group trying to do a jog You know, I know that I have to work a lot harder. I've grown up knowing that. So I've always pushed more than than my teammates in a way. But like I said, everyone's different and not everyone needs to do it. And everyone gets to the same level or, you know, some people push higher. And that's that's just a team sport, really. And that's just sport in general. God, you have such good focus. And it just seems that like being tidy and organized, like you've said, just keeps you on track and keeps you feeling good. Yeah, but just everything in general, not just kind of organised in terms of my sport. I like to be organised outside. I mean, my agents probably wouldn't agree because whenever they send me something, say I'm like, oh, so what do you want me to do in terms of that again? Do you want me to post, post, post that? But I mean, in terms of kind of being organised, being structured, I like to know what day I'm doing something, what time I'm doing something, you know, what details need to be included in that. And like, like even around the house, like I said, I come in, I noticed that the floors are a bit dirty, so I'm getting the hoover out. I'm like, no, this is doing my head in. Like, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't deal with this. I need to clean this. So, yeah, I think in terms of my whole 
structure and who I am. I'm very organized. I'm very tidy. I like to keep things clean. I like to make sure that if I'm leaving the house, say I'm going on holiday, the house has to be clean when I'm leaving because I can't come back to a dirty house, even though I'm not here. And I think it annoys people sometimes because I'm booking a holiday to go away and I've got like the full itinerary, like ready. Like even if I'm going on holiday just to chill, I need to know I have like a page of when our flight is, when we need to leave, you know, what are we getting a, a transport or whatever. So, yeah, I think I do a few people's heads in, but it's how I work. So they can just go away. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to get you to organise my next holiday because I'm yeah. very, I'm very last minute. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't um, say I plan a holiday. Like, I, like for us, it's hard because we get not get or, much. Yeah, so we have to book literally like two days before we go. But literally, like I'm like, okay, what time? What time? What time? What time? Like I need to know the logistics to the holiday. Oh, this has been such a great chat, Fran. And I'm conscious that I've probably got a couple more minutes with you. So obviously, the whole country felt like they got behind the Women's World Cup. And it felt like that was a real, real moment for female football. What's next for for female football? Like, what would you love to see happen either this year or next year? Like, what's your big goal? I mean, I think, like you said, every year the women's game is growing. Women's sport in general is growing and getting bigger. But I think in terms of women's football, obviously, it's difficult to know where we're going to go back into and how it's going to be. Because obviously, with everything going on with coronavirus, you're not really sure what effect that will have. But, you know, for us, we want to keep building the fan base, keep kind of people engaged in women's football, because I think it's really important for us to to keep that fan base and to keep building. Obviously, we have the home Euros in a couple of years. So I'm hoping that that helps in terms of building the growth of women's football. But yeah, I think it's just everything around it getting bigger and better, which it has done every year. Something something has changed every year, even at Chelsea where I'm playing, you know, every year there is something new, whether it's we get new facilities or we get a new kind of building inside or we get a new pitch or, you know, they take more care and kind of our clothing for games, sponsorships, you know, there's more and more people who want to be a sponsorship of not just the men's team, but the women's team which has been massive for us, you know, to have them people want to be involved in us as well. So I think it's just more seeing that and, and more opportunities for, for girls, for women, not just in football, but I think in sport in general and it becoming more normal for women to go and play sport or, you know, for me, when I go for a run around my area, I see so many women out jogging or women in the park doing training sessions together. And it makes me feel really happy to see that because it just shows that women are taking sport more seriously and they're taking their, like their fitness more seriously and their health more seriously. And I think each year kind of that's growing and more and more women are getting involved in sport. And I think it's only going to be beneficial for everyone to do it. So hopefully we can continue to build them opportunities and, and to keep growing women's sport. I think you've just touched on something really important there because the fact that it has really changed because when I grew up with a mother who was an aerobic instructor and so yeah and so she was very much like when I was younger the only kind of fitness I was exposed to was women in lycra in sports halls doing in an aerobics class but it wasn't you know the rest of kind of fitness wasn't really ingrained in everyday lifestyle I didn't really see that many women running around a park I didn't really see women playing football or anything like that whereas now it seems like we have opened it up 
And in the confidence report, which I referenced earlier on in my intro, Shaw did find that 66% of Brits wish they had more confidence. As somebody who is at the forefront of female sport, how do you think we can instill that into the everyday women? Because there is a lot of things that are often holding her back. Yeah, definitely. I think also it's a case of people feeling confident enough to do it. I think that's one thing that us women really struggle with is our insecurities about ourselves. How do I look when I go out running? If I'm wearing this tight top, does it make me look bigger? Or, you know, am I running down the street and am I sweating too much? Are people going to think it's disgusting? And I think that's been the biggest thing, I think, in the last kind of few years that we've just, well, a lot of us have. There are still some people who have them insecurities and who don't feel confident enough to go to a gym because they don't want to go in the weightlifting room because they go in there and it's just a load of men like lifting weights and doing whatever. So I think more and more the confidence is growing, but obviously it still needs to go further and further for people to feel that. But I think as much as our confidence grows, then I think we'll continue to build that. And ultimately it's about your health. And I think the more we get that message out rather than who cares if you're running down the street and you're absolutely sweating who cares? You're the one that's running. They're the ones that are driving next to you or walking next to you. You're the one that's better in yourself. And I think that's the message more rather than going, well, you need to do it to, otherwise you're going to get poorly. Well, no, you're better in yourself. You're, you're going to have more confidence when you get home from that run, regardless of how you feel while you're doing it, you're going to get home from that run and you're going to feel that confidence and you're going to feel like you want to go out again tomorrow and do it. So I think that's the most important thing is women building their confidence to not care what people think. And I was like it. I've, I've been like it. I've had insecurities. I've I've not enjoyed the way that I've looked in certain moments. Or, you know, there's pictures that I've looked at in, in when I'm training and playing. I'm like, oh, God, that doesn't look very flattering. We've all we've all had it. But then I think once you get to the stage where you go, do you know what? I don't care. I'm doing what I love doing. I'm doing it to better myself. Who cares what people think of me? Oh. That's so great. And so my final question for that then is, as a footballer, you obviously have to both be able to sprint very fast, (laughs) but also be able to run a distance. Like like you've said, sometimes in training, you'll run like 11k on a pitch. What makes the biggest difference to your running so that you you can do that? Is it a case of that you have a set warm-up drill that potentially you always do? Is it a case of that you do do sprint training every week? What what makes you able to perform like that in your trainers? I think it's a case of doing different types of fitness. There's different types of fitness which help with different types of stores in your body and how you can perform at high levels in certain things. Obviously, you have the cardiovascular system, which is more kind of the long distance. And then there's a, there's a system where it's all lactate, so lactic acid. So that's the more sprinting having short recovery, sprinting again, that's the part That's the part where your legs go really, really, really heavy and you don't feel like you can do it anymore. So, you know, you work. we work a lot of different systems in our training. So sometimes we will do more longer pitch stuff. So you do 11 v 11. So it's more kind of cardiovascular where you're constantly on the move, you're, you're running, or we do like circuits where it's 10 minutes of pure just kind of doing different circuits at, at, in intensity. And then there's sometimes we call them football sprints. So it's kind of like, 15 seconds, sprint as fast as you can against someone. Then you have 10 seconds to rest and then you go again. 10 seconds rest, go again. So it's all different type of fitness training to allow your muscles to build, to deal with certain things. But also I think gym helps a lot with the types of training. I'm quite an explosive athlete. So I'm more kind of 
acceleration. Um, so I do a lot of power training. So a lot of kind of slow eccentric moves. So slow down when I'm squatting and then I'll power up as quickly as I can. So it's kind of mixing, mixing them up a little bit. But yeah, I think it's all just working on different bases. Like, like I said earlier, I know that I'm not the fittest, but in terms of kind of sprint, recover, sprint, recover, I've always known I've been able to do that at a very high intensity. I'm quite, I'm quite good with recovering, but I struggle a lot with my longer distance. So that's probably why I focus a lot on when I have the time to do it, I go for a long run just to get that emphasis of fitness in my body. So yeah, I think it's understanding what you feel comfortable with. And I always believe you should always do a mixture of these trainings, regardless on what you're training for, like fartlek training where you do maybe 10 minutes at a high intensity and then you have a two minute rest. Then you change it up to maybe doing five minutes, have a one minute rest, change it up again, all different types of intervals. And I think that overall helps with different fitness based rather than just going, I'm going to go and run for half an hour at this one pace. Maybe the next day you can do, you know, a bit like what I say, you can do 15 second sprint with a 10 second rest. And you will be surprised how much harder you would find doing six 15 second sprints rather than a half an hour run because it's completely different store that you're using different muscles that you're using it's a different type of training that you're not used to because you're not exposed to it whereas for us we're exposed to all these different types so yeah I, I would be interested to see how someone who does a lot of long distance running would deal with kind of doing the intervals of one minute or 45 seconds and sprint recover for 10 seconds sprint recover for 10 seconds is 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 brutal (laughs) i i found that out when i went to track but it was also so empowering because you lean into your weaknesses and you have that fear before you do it and then you achieve it and even if you don't achieve 10 of them even if you just achieve two and then next week you achieve three you do walk away with such a spring in your step for want of a better phrase don't you yeah definitely I think Mm. it's achieving something that you didn't think you could achieve for Mm. me like uh, for me to achieve being able to do a 6k run I would never have been able to do that many years ago so for me that's an achievement because I've just pushed myself to get through it you know I feel a bit tired but just get through it just get through it get it done and you'll feel better for it so yeah I think it's achieving something that you didn't think you could and there's no better feeling than completing a run you know, when you get home afterwards and you get in, you can just have a nice shower, lay down on the sofa, like just relax. Yeah. So I think doing something that maybe you wouldn't think to do is always a nice thing in terms of training, because also you can get bored of just doing the same type of training every day. So then it's it's mixing it up, doing something different, having a look at maybe something online, maybe someone's posted something where you can see different running or, you know, seeing different sessions. Yeah. And I think, I think it's important to mix up your training. Otherwise you do get bored and then you just kind of stop eventually. What a great way to end this. Fran, I can't thank you enough for coming on and talking about the highs and the lows from the past few years and what's kind of kept you pushing through and has kept your confidence up. So thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. For everyone that's listening in and wants to follow the new season, is Instagram the best place for the guys to follow you? Yeah, definitely. Probably Instagram. I'm not much on Twitter anymore, but Instagram is where you get to see my dogs. So I would definitely say Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) And remind them of your handle just in case anyone's got their phones out and they can just hit that follow if they're not already. Yeah, it's just Fran Kirby. So F-R-A-N-K-I-R-B-Y. Fantastic. 
Thanks so much, Fran. And thank you to everyone listening in. I hope you enjoyed that chat. And today's show brings this mini series of baby steps from welfare to a close. Thank you so much to everyone who has listened in, sent me a DM on Instagram or tagged in a friend to share the show with. It's been amazing to watch you guys connect with this mini series of content. I was really hoping to be following up next week with a full season of Welfare for You Guys, season four. But unfortunately, Baby Lane has had other plans and I've had to put season four on hold just for a little bit so I can get on with my own marathon of motherhood. But I will be back. So please do stay as a subscriber to the show. And like I said, season four is coming as soon as I found my feet with Baby Lane. Thank you so much. Have a great day, everyone. Team, thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please do rate, review and subscribe. It really helps other runners in need of some help find the show and join our community too. Don't forget to use hashtag welfare on all your IG posts because I love seeing them. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Baby Steps. A final thank you to our sponsor, Shaw. With movement and sweat a normal and necessary part of everyday life, it's nice to feel confident that you can push on with your day without getting knocked back by smelly armpits and excessive sweat patches. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 